You are listening to Bitcoin, Blockchain and the Technologies of Our Future with Naomi Brockwell. Many of us are finally waking up to how important privacy is. We're getting a glimpse of how much information gets shared when we don't use private browsers, private email providers, private messaging apps, etc. But have you thought about what happens every time you swipe your credit card? We've gotten to the point where we're using plastic for even the tiniest purchases. Jonathan Bird is the co-creator of Free2Z, a platform focused on private payments. And he understands that through our purchases, our habits and preferences are revealed and that this data can be used against us. When I make a credit card payment, they're going to take in all this information about me. They're my name, where I live, my email address. They're used to make this huge dossier about my transactions, even my potentially political beliefs or my religious beliefs or my affiliations. So let's talk about financial privacy. Jeffrey Fowler wrote a great article a few years ago breaking down six different types of businesses that share data about your purchase every time you use a bank or credit card. From these six entities, thousands of other companies then get hold of your data. First, of course, there's your bank. Did you know that your bank is allowed to share your financial data? The 1999 Graham-Leach-Bliley Act allows banks to share personally identifiable data with companies. They just have to put up a privacy notice letting customers know. Let's take a look at Chase's privacy notice. It's basically just pages and pages of them saying we can do what we want with your data and we'll share it with whomever we want. Next is the card network, i.e. Visa and MasterCard. Fowler explains that the main business of these networks is connecting banks, but they also have side gigs in aggregating purchases and selling them as data insights. Aggregating purchases means it's not personally identifiable, right? Visa said it allows clients to see data on populations as small as 50 people, often tied to groups in zip codes. MasterCard wouldn't disclose its minimum group size. Our data is aggregated for an entire cohort, like all the people in the world with red hair and an Australian accent who have a YouTube channel about privacy called NBTV and who studied classical music. Of course, we can't disclose exactly how many people are in that cohort. It could be any number of people, really. MasterCard and Visa share that data with countless other businesses, from tourism bureaus to even having a partnership with Google that lets Google link the ads people have seen back to their in-person purchases. Next, there's the store. Every time you swipe your card, data about your transaction is stored in a profile about you. And that information doesn't just stay at the store you shopped at. For example, on Target's privacy page, they explain that they share your data with a lot of people. Now we get to the point of sale systems, those cards swipe machines in stores. They collect and share your data too. They're very close-lipped about who they share it with. And there's the bank that processes these transactions for the retailer, who also shares your data. We also have mobile wallets to consider. Things like Google Pay and Samsung Pay. These are apps on your phone that collect information about your purchases and also your location. Finally, there are financial apps like those that track your purchases for you. They sell your data to market research firms, retailers, investors. A tangential point the Fowler points out, if you use Gmail and receive email receipts for purchases, Google adds them to a database recording your purchases. Now, perhaps you don't really care that your personal financial data has been shared with thousands of companies, but the stakes might be higher than you think. 
Look at a place like China. There is a strong alliance between private and public sectors, where companies collect data and share it with the government. Collection of things like financial activities, which can reveal citizens' habits, preferences, and lifestyle, has helped create a sprawling social credit system. Being discredited makes it hard to get a job, a loan, a hotel room, or put kids in certain schools. There's even an app that shows who around you is in debt. You're starting to see fairly extreme examples of this in places like China, where governments and large state-run organizations are accumulating all this information, but using it in a way that is basically designed to control people. The West may not be China, but in the West, the private sector also shares a huge amount of data with the government through programs like PRISM. We don't know what that information might ultimately be used for, and the trajectory of surveillance is very clearly heading in one direction. So we should all be protecting our data preemptively. It's very important, even for people who are living in, you know, pretty free countries, to still try and maintain our privacy. So how can you do that? I never use credit cards. Instead, I pay for things by cash. Cash is one very useful option for in-person transactions. What about purchases online? We've talked before in the show about masked credit cards from companies like Privacy.com and MySudo.com. These are definitely worth exploring. But it's not just purchases that we need to be mindful of. Donations we make can also lead us to be targeted, not just by advertisers, but adversaries who might not like whatever activism we're involved with. When you've got an account and you've got your name and your email and your phone number, whatever it is that you have associated with your account, that's a risk in itself. John Nieri is the co-founder of Flipstarter, and he told me about a documentary fundraising campaign he witnessed a few years ago that left supporters really exposed. I wrote to them and I was like, everyone who donates to your campaign is putting themselves at risk. You need to be very careful. They didn't really take it seriously, but you know, years later you look back and you're like, they really did put people at risk. And then there's the issue of having the freedom to support causes that are important to you. And because the payment rails of traditional finance are so heavily guarded, this isn't always possible. WikiLeaks was blocked by PayPal, MasterCard, and Visa because the government didn't want them to receive donations. A lot of people associated with the legalization of marijuana have had bank accounts shut down. Some people are still banned from PayPal for donating five or $10 to Canadian truckers last year. So as well as being private, choose Using payment methods that are permissionless is just as important. More and more charities are starting to realize this and are now accepting cryptocurrency donations, like privacy and free speech organizations including EFF or the Electronic Frontier Foundation, the Freedom of the Press Foundation, and WikiLeaks. When the government blocked payments to them, they only survived thanks to crypto donations. The reason crypto is permissionless is because it doesn't have to pass through any payment processes, credit card companies, or banks before reaching its destination. You you can send crypto directly peer to peer with no one in the middle of the transaction to collect data about it and no one to stop the funds. In short, crypto gives people the freedom to donate to who they want to. That's something that's made possible by technology and I think that is underappreciated. Traditional fundraising platforms like GoFundMe and Patreon allow people to come together to support a common cause, but these sites also control any money that's received. The custodian risk is literally that it's not your money anymore. You don't decide anymore what happens to it. But there are analog crypto fundraiser sites that don't ever take custody of your funds. We'll dive into two of them. But first, many of you are probably still wondering, why might someone use cryptocurrency to fundraise instead of a more traditional platform? There is a huge perks. It can be more instantaneous and immediate, and you're not necessarily having to go through the banking system 
and have fees taken out before it gets to the person who needs the funds. Percentage cuts are a big thing on most platforms. For YouTube memberships, Google takes 30%. Patreon takes up to 12%. PayPal takes 30 cents and 2.9% per domestic transaction. Many cryptocurrencies cost a fraction of a penny to send, which means that essentially all of it gets into the hands of the people you're trying to support. And you can send it without any intermediary taking a cut. But crypto donations are even more useful for people in countries that don't have easy access to international payments. While services like PayPal can't be used in many countries, cryptocurrency on the other hand truly is international money that can be used by anyone. When Ukraine was invaded, crypto became a lifeline for many who needed to leave the country in a hurry. So let's look at two useful crypto fundraising platforms that you might want to check out, starting with free to z a website where you can create a page and just start collecting donations instantaneously. It uses a cryptocurrency called Zcash. Your transactions totally private. So unlike Bitcoin, where basically everything's in the ledger, with Zcash, you have shielded transactions. When you send a transaction between two addresses that start with the letter Z, that's a shielded transaction. It means that the transaction is encrypted. So there's no record of who sent it, where it was sent, how much was sent. That information just stays between the sender and the recipient. On the Free to Z website, we have it set up to only work with Z addresses. It's anonymous and private by default. It's basically like the same as taking an envelope filled with cash and giving it to a person. The power of Zcash is potentially getting back to recovering a little bit of that privacy that has been lost by the overuse of plastic now for purchases. The way you get set up with a fundraising page at freedaz.com is super simple. Click create, generate a username and password, then fill in your campaign details about whatever cause you're looking to raise money for. You'll put in your Zcash wallet address and anyone can then click on your campaign and easily donate. We're basically leveraging the power of Zcash to give you the free freedom to donate to anyone in the world. The website isn't acting as an intermediary or collecting money on your behalf. That money is going straight into your wallet. The website also allows supporters to write messages on campaign walls. This costs a few cents in Zcash to do, and that money goes to the site maintainers. You can also pay the free to z website to boost a campaign, which increases the visibility of that campaign. Not only are payments private on free to z but the way they run their website also prioritizes privacy. For example, you don't have to create an account in order to support someone's cause. Just click on the donate symbol on their page and send through some Zcash. And to set up a campaign is also very privacy preserving. We're not even asking for an email. We have this hardcore pro-privacy to the extreme setup. We're not keeping track of people's data. There's no Google Analytics on the site. We're not even like logging IP addresses. We're trying to be as privacy oriented as possible. They even make it so that you have to opt in to see any third party embedded content on the site. So if you're not comfortable looking at YouTube in a particular browser, you don't even have to accept. Another crypto fundraising tool is Flipstarter, where you can create a campaign and set a goal for that campaign. If the campaign reaches your target campaign goal, then that transaction is able to be created and goes through on the Bitcoin Cash network. It uses a cryptocurrency called Bitcoin Cash and Flipstarter doesn't ever take control of those funds. You make a pledge and you're always in full control of that pledge up to the moment that the final transaction is made that, that packages everything up and sends it off. And the money is sent directly to the wallet of the fundraiser's creator. But Flipstarter isn't your average fundraising platform. The way we made it is not as a platform. If you go to flipstarter.cash, you won't find a website that allows you to create a campaign. Instead, you'll find instructions for how to host your campaign yourself. It starts out with the priorities of making sure that it's permissionless, that anyone can use it, that it's trustless, 
to the greatest degree possible. So you've basically put together all of the code. All someone needs to do is take this thing that you've already written, plug it in, and they've got a website that allows people to donate money, write comments. People can just publish themselves. It's taking the concept of permissionless tech to the extreme. Not only are your transactions peer-to-peer, -peer, but you also avoid the risks inherent in centralized platforms. They can literally just disappear, whether because they give up or because they've been told they have to shut down or they've had the rug pulled out from under them. So Flipstarter creators instead give you the open source code so that you can deploy your own website. We do everything to try to make it permissionless and stay decentralized. The permissionless nature of these two platforms and the financial privacy that comes along with that are two sides of the same coin. The privacy aspect is underappreciated. You don't have to give somebody your email. You don't have to give them your phone number. You don't have to make a bank account. You don't have to get permission to transfer money from the United States to South Sudan or United States to Nigeria. How many more people are gonna be included in the world economy and how many more people are going to have a chance to actually compete when all the barriers are lowered and you're able to just jump in instead of having to go through whatever it is your local government says. It's a decentralized tool that people could run anywhere. And they're being used to send funds even to the other side of the world to people without bank accounts. There has been a significant size farm funded in Nigeria. People have done fundraising for charities, some in Venezuela, and South Sudan. Now, if hosting your own website seems too complicated for you on Flipstarter, there is a tool that allows you to just fill in form fields like on a regular website and your campaign will be created for you. But even this is done in a resilient way. Someone has taken the Flipstarter tool, wrapped it up, in IPFS. IPFS stands for Interplanetary File System, which is a tool for storing data in a decentralized manner rather than with a central hosting provider. It's basically a distributed platform for Flipstarter, and it's actually much harder to pull something like that down. When it comes to supporting causes that you believe in, crypto can be a powerful tool. It can make your contribution more private. You can make sure that the money actually reaches its destination and anyone in the world has access to donate or to set up a fundraiser campaign themselves. Trying out these alternative payment systems actually helps fight against the financial surveillance all around us. All these things that you can imagine in a dystopia where you have CBDCs and full control over spending and your money expires at the end of the week and that kind of thing. You can't just avoid that by hoping. You actually have to build the alternative. Everybody's going to have to actually make an effort to experiment with other things. These other options that have more privacy, that are permissionless. If we don't, we won't have an option. I can see a future in which if we don't make a choice as a society about valuing our privacy and trying to recover some of it, it can get to a very dark place. It'll be a very gradual thing. And when people get there, it's going to be very hard to go back. We need to be a little proactive and start planning how we can recover more of our privacy now. Hey, I'm a Bitcoin, staring, I'm staring